Hi there and welcome to Naturally Recovering Autism. I am your host, Kieran Thomas, and I wanna thank you so much for being here and being a proactive parent and getting the resources that you need to let your child live their most fulfilling and independent life possible. When my own son was diagnosed with autism, I was told to drug him and try behavioral therapies and there was nothing else that we could do for him but manage his symptoms the rest of his life. But I didn't wanna do that. Fortunately, my background in craniosacral therapy Look, now 30 years, let me know that the brain can and does heal, but I didn't know that much about autism. What I did know is that I didn't want to just mask the symptoms with dangerous drugs. I wanted to find the causes and work with them naturally. And fast forward, it took me a decade and a lot of time and effort, but today my son is no longer diagnosable with autism after being told it could not happen. So I'm here to share with you valuable resources to save you the time and some of the expense that I had to spend to figure it out and to help you let your child lead to their best results possible. Every child's level of recovery is different, but we know that children who couldn't sleep through the night are sleeping now through the night and happily. Their immune systems are now strong where they were once sick all the time. Children who were nonverbal and their parents were told they could never speak are now speaking. Children who were getting D's and F's in school are getting A's and B's. And those that were so anxious all the time and couldn't sit still and, and were uncomfortable in their own bodies are now calm and happy and relaxed. And they're leading fulfilling and independent lives with friends. This is what we want for our kids. So I'm here to share the resources with you so that you can get the best results for your child the best possible. And you can start that right now with my free download of this top seven foods to eliminate beginning today of the top foods that are the most inflammatory and toxic that are contributing to those physical and behavioral symptoms of autism that your child is having. They're making his life uncomfortable. So you can get that right now at naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash seven foods and feel free to share that with anybody you know who would be interested. And I will also link to it in today's show notes. There's of course a lot more than diet, but this is something you could start doing today that will begin to reduce those symptoms. And I'm happy to share everything I can with you. So right now, let's dive into today's episode. Hi there, and thank you for tuning into this week's episode. Before we get started with today's conversation, I'm excited to release an exclusive offer just for you. For a limited time, you can get priority access to my newest program, the Autism Recovery Kickstart, 30 Days Toward Naturally Recovering Autism. This program features 30 days of resources, community, and support for your family's journey with an on-demand access to exclusive content, tools of empowerment, and daily resources to guide you through the program at your child's own pace. Registration is live today. So go to naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash kickstart and register for the event now. Again, that is naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash kickstart. Hello, everybody. I'm Brian Hubbard and welcome to the very first What Doctors Don't Tell You seminar webinar of 2023. And I couldn't imagine a better guest to kick off the series this year than our guest today. Karen Thomas embodies the very spirit of what doctors don't tell you. She had to become her own medical detective after her son Jacob 
developed quite severe Asperger's after being vaccinated with her Hep B vaccine. Well, she, as so many know, she hit a blank wall when it came to conventional medicine, so she had to find out for herself. And today, Jacob is a healthy, hearty young man living a full and happy life. How did she do it? Well, this is the purpose of our call today. Karen, I'm so delighted to have you with us, where you're going to tell us all about your program as well, Naturally Recovering Autism. And I know you've just started a new program just last week, Autism Recovery Kickstart. So we want to hear more about all of those things in a moment. Karen, but very, very, very warm welcome from what Dos is so lovely to have you with us. Yes, thank you so much. I'm I'm very happy to be here. I have just so much value with my 16 years of autism research to share with parents and my own personal story. Absolutely. So I am here to support the parents who are searching, whether it's been years that their child has been, you know, that they've been on the recovery process, maybe they've fallen short of the results or their child's plateaued and they don't know why. Those are things that I have answers to, or if a parent is brand new to the journey, maybe their diagnosis is recent and they're just now starting to search, but realizing that search is immense. There's so much information and what practitioner to go to and what supplements to give and how should I do it? And, you know, they're, they wanted, they wanted to drug my son. So thankfully I had a holistic background and didn't want to do that as well. And I'm sure many of your listeners are the same way. Yeah, for sure they are. And I suspect, Karen, there's going to be a lot of questions being asked this evening, today. Molly, um, do you mind just explain to anyone like me who isn't sure how Zoom works, how people can post a question to Karen? Molly, could you, are you, or could you just unmute yourself and just explain to people how they can type in a question when we're, while we're talking? Sure. Can you hear me now? Yep, we're good. Great. So at the bottom of your screen, there's a little um, icon which says Q&A. Just click that, type your question, and I'll see that. And then at the end, when Brian launches the q and I'll field those questions. Okay. Thanks. Thanks, Molly. So, so we want to give plenty of time for questions because I know lots of people will have them. And you, you, you itemised quite a few there already, Karen, in your, in your introduction. But let's, let's go back a little bit to your own story, if we may. And to uh, the time when Jacob, I think he had a what was meant to be a, a standard vaccination, the hepatitis B shot, um, which you agreed to to have him have. But how soon after that did you see a decline in him? I would say within days we really started noticing that uh, he became. Um, less connective, he wasn't listening to us anymore. Uh, he would be so hyper-focused on things. I would talk to him and, and he, he couldn't hear me. At first, I thought he was being a, a little obstinate or something all of a sudden. And I and I and then at one point, I realized he's not hearing me. He doesn't hear what I'm saying. And I thought, what is happening? What, what changed? He went from being this happy, vivacious child to being very closed in and wow. just wasn't you know connecting with us anymore and wouldn't wow. listen to us and more tantrums all of a sudden and it was very odd uh yeah so that's how it, it all began and then what sort of age was jacob at that point he was a two about two, two, right. two and, and prior right. to that he was developing normally he was a healthy kid 
yeah. and then suddenly this change. I mean, did, when, it, when it happened, did you at all suspect autism or indeed the vaccine as being the cause at that point? You know, this is back in the early 2000s, yeah. actually late 90s. Uh, he was born in 96. So this is back before a lot of the knowledge and education that are out there now were available around that. Yeah. And uh, I, I, so I didn't know to suspect it at the time, really. I hadn't really connected that in that way. Um, but it was several years before, and I didn't know much about autism back then. Actually, we started taking him to therapists when he was five, thought something's really going on with this child. He's my firstborn, but I know this isn't regular kid behavior. I'm not seeing other kids doing this, or how can I help him? Or how can I parent him more easily? Because he had extreme oppositional defiance disorder. In fact, later on when he became diagnosed, the therapist, the specialist in autism said it was the worst case of oppositional defiance disorder she had ever seen. And right. so parenting that is just intense. I mean, what are you supposed to do? You know, you try everything and nothing really seems to be working. So we were seeking help for ourselves as parents, but also he had this debilitating anxiety and sensory needs in the, the classroom, even kindergarten was just, even in preschool, the teacher said, oh, I've seen kids like him before, but yeah, he's just really getting in trouble all the time. You know, he doesn't want to listen. And I thought, what do you mean like him? You know, I, I didn't really understand. She just said, you know, just, you know, behaving that way. So I thought, well, is this a behavior? We didn't know where it stemmed from. Hmm. So when he was five, we started taking him to therapists. And there are parents listening now who I really want to hear this that you know it's not your fault. We were told for about five years, therapist after therapist after therapist, that it was us as parents, we were not being firm enough with consequences and that if we really did a better job of parenting, he wouldn't act this way. And it was mind blowing to my husband and I, we were, are you kidding us? And then you think, well, we didn't know anything else. So what are we doing? Okay, what, what can we do better? So we have this reward system. He'd get a star if he had good behavior and all that basically like what they kind of do in ABA. But finally, I was just like this, none of this is working, nothing here. And uh, one therapist finally said, you know, Karen, I, I think he has Asperger's syndrome and, uh, and it's autism. And I said, well, you know, and here I am a craniosacral therapist, but in studying the brain at the time, but I didn't know much about autism. It's specifics. Mm -hmm. And he even said at the time, it was very early 2000s, 2001, maybe. And um, he said, I don't have any books on it or any information for you. You'll need to go research it for yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I was like, okay, you know, and so I started looking in bookstores and where I lived at the time, there were no bookstores that had any information on autism. So that's how we're talking about back when, you know, wow. it was really new to everything. Wow. I luckily was going to uh, up to Berkeley, California for a, another, uh, luckily I was in advanced tra craniosacral training and had a class that weekend. And uh, there are, it's a college town. So there are multiple bookstores. And I thought if somebody's going to have it, Berkeley's going to have one. So yeah. I actually walked into a small corner bookstore and I said, do you have any books on autism or Asperger's? And the woman said, oh yeah, the owner's son has it. So we have a few. And 
I, I was, I, she led me there. And first one I picked up, I was, it was like, I was reading about my son. Mm-hmm. I, I thought, oh my gosh, this is all, this is what's going on, but what's it about? What do you do for them? There was really just more explanation, which was re- a relief to think, okay, I have an answer, but what do you do? Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, and the spectrum is so different. There are no, no two children exactly the same. So, well, he does this, but he doesn't do this, you know, there's that. So I went back home and there, I knew that there was a, a boy in my son's class who my son was actually friends with who had autism. And so his, and his mom was a neurological, um, a pediatric neurologist, and she was a friend of mine. So I just said, where did you go to get a diagnosis? She told me of this expert that lived 25 minutes away to go to. And finally I took, 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 you know, Jacob there and we went through the whole process and Finally, she said, yeah, he has autism. It's, it's Asperger's. And I, I was like, okay, what, well, what, what is, do I do? You, what is the distinction between Asperger's and autism? Could you just explain that? Well, you know, Asperger's, they've taken it, as you probably know, out of the DSM, the Diagnostic Statistical Manual, a few years right. ago, which a lot of people weren't happy about. They just kind of lump everybody in. But they're also calling it, which is true, a, a spectrum disorder. So you can go on any length of the spectrum. and. Right. Asperger's is a little bit more high functioning, but again, many kids on various levels will have certain characteristics, but not other characteristics. So it's basically all autism at this point, but where on the spectrum are they? Are they high functioning or low functioning or in the middle? Uh, What are their traits? Because I think it's also very important to honor any individual's unique characteristics. Um, what do you need? Uh, even as adults, you have to say, well, what can I do to help you? What do you not want me to do or to mm. you or around you? Things like that too. Mm. But so okay. she diagnosed him and, uh, and right away she said, you know, um, I don't really have any, uh, any further information for you. This is what I was given at the time, nothing. And I, and she said, you know, you can try this behavioral therapist that I know. And I thought, well, okay, you know, what, you know, what is this about? So I went and I talked to this woman and started him there and he just hated it. And, uh, and then, you know, they were trying to force him to do things that he, he even said, mom, I want to, but I can't, what, what's going on? And I said, I don't know. We're going to figure this out though. And the, the, the therapist at the time said that I should drug him. And that I was, when I said, I really don't want to do that. I don't want to just mask symptoms. And I know there are negative and even dangerous side effects to many mm-hmm. pharmaceutical drugs, sure. these psych- psychotropic tried type of drugs. I want to find out what the underlying causes are, not just find out, you just mask symptoms with something that could make him ultimately worse in the long run yeah. uh, and not help him in that way. And she said, you're really doing him a disservice. I have my child on you know, medication and, you know, this is, uh, you know, this is just something that you should, you should really do for him. It will make his life more comfortable. And, you know, you're making his life harder by not doing this. And I thought, well, I don't really need you to tell me this. I, I really need to go learn more about autism. Oh my gosh. And when I started and is there an assumption behind that saying, well, let's sort of, you know, chemically cosh them until they start to improve? And they seem to feel that we grow out of autism. And it is one of the things I'd like to talk to you about a bit later, because mm-hmm. it is always seen as a childhood problem. But I, I guess people take it into adulthood. And but there's simply the assumption in medic, medical circles that you'll grow out of it. 
and, and I get the feeling that this is just a stopgap until it gets better. Um, it, was that the sort of you know, the sort of view you were seeing as well? Well, I knew that there had to be some other causes. And again, back to being holistically oriented with health and yeah. knowing the brain can heal and various toxicity and things. I thought, well, okay, so how can we help the body? How can we help his brain? How can we help him in any way? I just need to, needed to learn. And it yeah. became this immense educational process. Um, you know, you have his child, you don't know you're going to have to become your own child's doctor because sure. the practitioners I was seeing and spending lots of money on weren't helping. Yeah. So I thought, oh my gosh, this is now costly and not getting results. So what do you do? And you take it on yourself, just as most parents do. And it's the wisest thing to do. You have to be self-educated and not just hand your child over to somebody else who says they know what to do when, you know, are you getting results? What is their background? How much success have they had with autism recovery themselves? Have they ever had a child of their own with autism? Do they know really what this is about and what you're going through? So those are things where I, I'm, you know, it's I've made my mission to support. And I have parents in, I have a membership program where I walk parents step by step through the whole process. And I have children who are as young as 17 months old. And the oldest I know of is who was 42 uh, wow. himself working for him on himself to try and get himself better. And another mom whose son is 39 years old. In fact, wow. on my website, I even, she even shared, uh, uh, um, you know, a, a small video testimonial about how much the program has helped her after decades of trying other things that didn't work. And another mom whose son is 27 years old, tried for decades to help him, tried, you know, everything's, spent a lot of money, nothing was helping him improve his quality mm -hmm. of life ultimately. And within um, a couple of months in my program, her son is not only talking, but, but reading books with her. So, mm -hmm. you know, it can change and it be improved at any age, but you don't just grow out of it. Right. And what I will start talking about, what we'll, we can discuss is what the causes are, because if you don't get the inflammation off the brain and the toxins and the co-infections aren't cleared out of the body, the brain will still be inflamed and cannot function properly. So if you don't do those things, then you won't, yeah, then they're not, they're not going to really get better. Yeah. And, and it, it, it does start with inflammation of the brain, but your website says something I thought was quite interesting because it's often classified as a neurological problem. But you said autism is a biological problem, which suggests to me much more of a whole body issue than just the brain. So could we sort of dive into that a little bit? Obviously, you say for any parent getting inflammation around the brain down is the first thing, but inflammation is systemic, isn't it? So it presumably is a problem body-wide too. And um, whether or not it starts in the brain you know, I mean, because I mean, I've done a lot with gum disease. I mean, gum disease will feed inflammation in the brain, for example. So if your kid has bad gums, you know, that's probably more a source than the brain itself. So right. could you, would you mind? I mean, I know you've got a wonderful program with autism recovery, which is just started and very fairly priced, if I may say so, Karen. $30. Yes. Very fairly priced. But if you would... I mean, I think we would love to do this as well, but if you could help them today, just step, go through some of these steps as well of what they can be doing. And, and so the, the, the starting point is inflammation. And it is. So, and so, 
and, and obviously it is information around the brain which is causing the autism, which is fascinating. Um, and indeed, there was a study, I don't know if you just saw it last week, came out that they're now linking SSRIs taken during pregnancy as being a possible cause too. So, but it's all related to the same thing. Mm -hmm. And so what do you do? How do you bring inflammation down? Well, a lot of kids, as you're you know, mentioning in utero, a lot of kids are being born today with a lot of toxins that they get oh. while they are in the womb. Yeah. The mother's body sees the baby actually as a conduit to detoxify into. And wow. as you know, the world is very, very toxic today. Our, mm. our food is toxic, our water, our, our soil, the air we breathe, the water we drink. So the, the whole thing really starts with you know, if I knew now what I know then kind of really detoxifying the mother's body before she ever conceives. Right. And then so the, the baby is often born with maybe susceptibilities. But, you know, as Bruce Lipton, the, 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 yeah. I call him the king of epigenetics, right? Yeah. Says, yes, we had Bruce on the show last week. He's fantastic. <laughs> oh, did you? Oh, yes. He's wonderful. Uh, how you know, genes can be changed by environmental factors. And as Bruce says, they can also be reversed by doing certain things as well, which is what I'm talking about too. So a gene has to be mutated by something to, uh, to go awry and not work properly. So the inflammation, the toxins, and again, these co-infections like mold biotoxins, uh, which are a big one for depression. So if a mother's taking SSRIs and on depression, you know, for having depression, it's very likely that the mold biotoxin, which is a very, very uh, genetic issue of 29% of the world population having. So she's maybe taking those hmm. for her own depression, which again, yeah. yes, that drug is affecting the baby, but right. so is the inflammation that her body is, is being affected by. Right. I mean, it's a controversial issue, I know, but... You know, in Jacob's case, it did happen after vaccination. And I guess, you know, they've really kicked against this and said MMR has nothing to do with this. Mm -hmm. um, but the, the vaccine you, Jacob had, I mean, there's a clear link to autism. Mm -hmm. You know, I saw, I looked it up just before our call and it, it triples the risk of mm -hmm. autism. And that's, you know, that's, that's in the medical literature. They're not admitting the same with MMR, but nonetheless, yeah, it clearly is a factor, it seems to me, that does raise that infl inflammatory response in the, in the child um, and without any doubt at all. So, okay, so we, we, we accept that. So, so what do you, is it primarily a dietary approach, a, a nutritional approach, I guess, to, to get the inflammation down? Well, the, this is an excellent question because what I see more often than not, almost always, is that parents think that diet alone is enough. They right. may have now heard of the big gluten-free, casein-free diet, and it's so important for many, many reasons, But um, which I'm happy to go into a few of those. But overall, basically, the gluten-free, casein-free diet and uh, basically eliminating the top seven foods um, it is really, really important. And I have a, a guide on my website about that, that you can download for free to reduce the inflammation. And so, and so sorry, those would be foods like wheat, dairy, all the usual suspects. 
Right. It, it includes, of course, wheat, dairy, corn, soy, and sugar. And of course, yeah, of there's course. monosodium glutamate, there's food dyes, but even processed carbohydrates. So this is where the gluten-free casein-free diet is not enough for one, the diet alone isn't enough because you need right. some detoxifying support supplement supplemental help because the detox pathways are backed up. You're going to see worsened behaviors before they get better because as the candida and pathogenic bacteria start dying off, then, sorry, that's my alarm to get on with you. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> or with, with my team, I'm sorry. So anyway, um, they are able to, um, to you know, help reduce the inflammation through these foods, but it's much more than food because processed carbohydrates are going to feed things like candida. When you take away the foods that the candida eats, they start to die, hence the term die off. And when that happens, then there are more toxins in the body and the child's body is already overloaded with toxins. Their liver is congested, it's backed up and their detox pathways aren't working properly. So there needs to be additional support, like some binders in place, et cetera, that are gonna help the, the body detoxify because if, if there's not that kind of support, You'll, you can see behaviors get much, much worse before they get better. It mm -hmm. scares the parents. They think this is supposed to be helping. Why is my child okay. helping? Yeah, yeah. They don't know what's happening. Yeah. Again, back to the education. So diet, binders, support, things like that. And um, and uh, I, I, I can give a link uh, that will lead people to my resources as well um, right. you know, when you're ready, but that will be able to kind of walk through more of this. Thank you, thank you. Um, so, but I think you're looking at your site. There, there is like a four-step program, isn't it? Right. Detox is number one. Mm -hmm. You can't really do anything to detox, and that presumably includes reducing inflammation. What 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 are the next steps after that? So the four stages are: one is healing the gut and supporting detoxification pathways, basically strengthening the foundation for further work. Then the next is a natural and safe heavy metal detoxification. Okay. And there's a big distinguishment between the pharmaceutical drugs that are used, such as DMSA versus a safe natural one that actually works and is effective um, because DMSA will allow for reabsorption of toxins back into the system and pulls out good minerals like calcium and magnesium. So it can actually make a child worse. Uh, and then stage Three is clearing the co-infections. Now, this, these are why I see so many kids on the recovery process plateau because parents either don't know about them or they've tested for them and they come up as negative when they're positive because the testing's very inaccurate for most of them, and mm -hmm. they don't or they don't know about them at all or they're treated improperly. That's very common. So those are mold biotoxins. Again, twenty-nine percent of the world population has a genetic defect that doesn't allow our bodies to dispel the toxins when we're exposed to mold from water damaged buildings. Mm -hmm. So the body goes in to fight these and creates an immune reaction that mm -hmm. triggers more inflammation. And you literally have a cascade of inflammation in the body. Right. It directly affects the gut and the brain because the gut directly does affect the brain and the immune system. 
So the brain can't think clearly, you're exhausted, depression's common, you can't mm. sleep properly. Mm. And then Lyme disease is another one. Most of the time, the, the, the right. tests for it come up negative when it's positive, And mm. then they try to treat it with throwing in a bunch of antibiotics. Most of these things are antibiotic resistant. So that doesn't work. And then you've destroyed the rest of the good bacteria in the child's gut that was maybe there uh, with the antibiotics. And now you've got worse problems, but Lyme disease, they say close to a hundred percent of children today with autism have Lyme disease. Oh. And it's not just from a tick bite anymore. Yeah. There are oh. horse flies, sand fleas, mosquitoes, because the globe has gotten warmer. So the winters mm -hmm. aren't as cold as they used to mm -hmm. be. So these bugs are becoming, these strains oh. are becoming more virulent. Oh. So this is very important. And a lot of the symptoms mimic, like I said, like I said, is autism. Right. Parasites are a huge issue. Again, usually right. not detected in many tests. Right. If they are detected, again, usually throw in a bunch of antibiotics. Many times they, they, uh, they're antibiotic resistant types of bugs that that's not working for again, huge, huge issue for affecting, of course, the gut and the brain. Right. There's uh, you know, uh, PANS, pediatric autoimmune neuropsychiatric syndrome, uh, PANS or PANDAS when it's a, a, associated with strep, streptococcal infections. Right. So the, this is when the immune system is overactive and becomes yeah. actually can happen during a rapid detoxification too. The immune system is like basically set on fire. And so it, it starts attacking the brain and you yeah. start seeing heavy OCD, clinginess, fearfulness, screaming tantrums, things like that. So all of these things need to be worked with. And then once you have the inflammation and the toxins really, you know, cleared out well, you can start doing stage four, which is some of the natural brain support and repair types of therapies and techniques and things that are there. Now your child is more of who they are and you can see what their needs might actually be uh, that are still left. Because if you do some of these things before when the brain is really toxic, like my own son said, mom, I want to, but I can't. And he's brilliant, brilliant. And this is a lot of these kids. I know one who is now 18, 19 years old. He's in medical school. When he was in second grade, he was diagnosed with, he was diagnosed with autism at age two. Uh, his mother cleared him of Lyme and mold, but by, by in second grade, they told his parents that he would just had a very low IQ and just wasn't oh. intelligent. Oh. And Fast forward, he gets the inflammation, the toxins that are clear, clear the co-infections. He's in medical school because he wants to help other children and other people mm -hmm. and be an immunologist so that they don't have to go through what he went through. Right, right. So this is what is important for parents to know your child's not just an angry person with these angry outbursts. There are toxins and inflammation and things affecting their brain that are not allowing them to be who they are. Yeah. And, uh, so that's that's what's really important. I think the great thing about a program like yours, Karen, is that you also handhold people through the bad times because, as you rightly say, it's going to get worse before it gets better. <laughs> and so many parents are going to say, this doesn't work, to hell with this. And that's the time to stick with it. And I think your sort of program really can help them through that and say, no, this is quite normal. Is actually, this is a healing process that's going on. So that's good. A couple of quick well, one observation, because I think that there is so much that could cause this. There are so many, it can feel like overwhelm. And I always remember 
one of the founding fathers of what doctors don't tell you was a man called Stephen Davis, who actually pretty much founded uh, nutritional medicine itself. And he said, well, think of it as a water butt. You know, so many people I see, it's overflowing. What we're going to do is bring the water down to a level where your immune system can start taking over. So even if you can't eradicate everything, get to a point where the immune system can start functioning and winning the battle, if you will. And I think that's always a nice thing to say for people who might feel, my God, there is so much. And it's enough to do enough, isn't it? And we, you know, and I, and and I think that's just something to say. The other, just one question I have is, why does it seem to affect boys more than girls? It has to do with largely to do with testosterone. Okay. Uh, boys have much higher testosterone levels naturally, even at birth. And at birth, uh, in the last uh, trimester of pregnancy and the first two years of life. Uh, females have higher estrogen levels, especially higher. Estrogen is very brain protective. So oh. when they start getting exposed to more environmental toxins and processed foods and vaccinations, they have a bit more brain protection. Oh. Testosterone makes these toxins worse. You'll oh. really see a parent will really see exacerbated symptoms when, especially when a boy starts puberty, because this flood of extra testosterone coming in the body just makes them, they can become rageful, uh, all of these things, because mercury and, and lime and things like those are really, really affected by testosterone. So the more toxins that come in contact with higher testosterone levels make it much worse and the brain doesn't have the extra protection right. because they don't have more estrogen. Well, thank you. That's very good. Very good. I, I just didn't realize what, what was going on there. Molly, do we have some questions? We do indeed. I'm sure we would. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, so the first one is what does high function actually mean? They've said there's always assumed it meant very clever, but socially awkward compared to low functioning. So can you just talk a little bit more about that? You know, I think there's room for interpretation as well. It's not just a cut and dry type of this is or this isn't. Um, it, it's more lower functioning is maybe they, they, they are, have limited or no speech. They, uh, there are kids who are five or 10 years old who are still in diapers. Uh, they are not able to feed themselves. They have no eye contact or connectivity at all. Uh, um, you know, so uh, there's, there's that being on the lower functioning level. And then the higher functioning, maybe they do or don't, maybe they have some speech. They can go to a classroom and maybe even function okay. And try but they maybe need some assistance uh or you know it just depends on the child's abilities and and uh, kind of what level they're at because some are some are actually high enough functioning this is what's what can be a little scary sometimes i think for a parent is if like with my own son at, at first that the they're, they blame their behaviors on something else and they don't get properly diagnosed. They don't get the help and that, that they need because they don't see it as autism or, or somebody doesn't catch it. Mm -hmm. And the, the reasoning is just, again, to allow the child to get the help that they need in the right way, whether it be uh, you know, an aid in school or a 504 plan instead of an IEP plan or 
they need uh, more of this biological health. You know, they they need to clear their their diet and the toxins out, and then they can actually function even better and and not have maybe as much anxiousness. Maybe their anxiousness and sensory issues are there, but they can hold it together. Basically, they're a little bit more tolerable for the child. Where you know a lower functioning child can't can't handle anything. They have to maybe even wear noise canceling headphones. Um, so again, it's just a matter of you know how much they're able to function in in their world, you know, in the world and and how they handle things. But um, that's again why they call it an autism spectrum because it, it can vary so much from one individual to another. Right. Right. Okay, thank you. Molly, do you have another one? Um, yeah, someone's asked if you can explore and explain a little bit more about the PANS, PANDAS um, issue and how it would affect your program. Yes, uh, in, in my program, what makes it unique and what I really value offering to parents is that it's a complete A to Z. Nothing important is going to get left out and everything is done all naturally. So it only supports the immune system and the various systems of the body. And what we do for all of the co-infections are use organic proprietary organ uh, herbal formulas that were specifically formulated for each co-infection. And they work and they don't cause the body any harm and they help. So PANS is something that should be taken care of pretty quickly. Like I will have, I have like a beginning quick guide roadmap to getting started when people start in my membership, but I, because it, there's a, a, it should be done sequentially in a sense that you really do want to start shifting the diet. And I know picky eating is an issue that we address right away in the program because how to transition your child. But even during that transitional time, you want to get some binders and, and support, uh, detox support supplements, uh, in, in going one at a time, because you have to allow the body to, you know, be able to adjust to one at a very, very low dosage before you increase anything and let their body take its own time. It's all done on a child's own time timeline. So once those are in place and I, you know, if a child, if you enter the program and your child's already in a PANS episode, then I come into the forum, which is where we communicate 24 seven. You can ask me questions and I'll say, this is where, you know, if you need to troubleshoot something uh, like, you know, the program's been going for seven years. So I've got PDF guides and things to, if this happens or what to do and frequently ask questions. But if you still can't find your answer, you come into the forum, but this one is so common. If your child comes into the program in a pans flare up already, you want to get on it pretty quickly because you don't want the immune system attacking the brain that way. And because it's dangerous. So what we do is we will I'll, I'll make sure that you get on some of those support supplements right at first. Once they're going on them a little bit, I'll have you jump into starting with some of the herbal formulas versus if your child's not in a pounds flare up when you come into the program, I'll say, okay, first you're going to, we're going to do more of these uh, detox support supplements before you get to the, the, uh, the herbal products. Um, mm -hmm. they're, they're gentle, but the body always needs the detox support. Again, the liver and the, uh, detox pathways really need that support and to know what to do if your child goes into a die-off reaction, because the die-off reactions or mold or Lyme can all trigger pans. 
So if you just work with the pans and you don't work with the other underlying triggers, then you can keep pans flare-ups going. So it's very important that all of these pieces get covered. Great. Okay. Molly? Yep. Um, so we've had a, few, a number of questions actually on autism in adults. Um, so oh. A, one of the specific examples is, is it possible for someone age 68 to recover from high functioning autism? And then another question about your protocol in particular, is it, would it be suitable for adults with autism or Asperger's? Yes, absolutely. I have uh, parents or parents doing things with their children, but I have adults that have joined the program for themselves. Uh, so as long as and, and it's it's very sequentially step by step and simplified. I've tried to do my best with as immense as everything is to simplify each step and make it bite size because I want it to be digestible and easy enough for anybody to do. Parents are overwhelmed. An adult coming in doing it for themselves needs to be able to, to understand the steps. So you just follow the steps in order. Uh, and yes, what I say, so at any age, I believe, honestly, it's never too late. You can always help your, your health overall, your body, the inflammation and the toxicity that you have. Uh, a lot of the things in my program, I do daily for myself because we are exposed to toxins on a daily basis. And so I like to practice prevention as well. Keep my brain as healthy as I can and strong and not let you know any of those toxins accumulate because they do accumulate in the body and they start causing more and more problems over time. Mm. So yes, it can be done by an adult. And um, what I say is you have to be consistent. You want to follow, you know, stick with it over time. Um, and the definition I always say of recovery is to regain health. This is a happier, healthier, more fulfilling life, more independence. And you look at whatever your issues are. Is it that you want to calm down because your anxiety really gets to you sometimes and your sensory issues can be overwhelming and maybe those could get better or you're not sleeping well, or you want better connectivity and social connection with people, but somehow there's, there's, there's something that's still really in the way, you know, there are various things um, that, that people want and want to improve for their own lives. Mm -hmm. And for that, I commend them, you know, absolutely. Yeah. And I think the, the, the sad thing is, Karen, for a lot of older people, you know, they probably never were diagnosed with autism and they still don't associate their issues of problems of day-to-day -day living with autism. And that's a terrible tragedy, really, when so much could be done for them to help them function and have a more enjoyable life. But anyway, mm -hmm. OK, Molly, another one. Yeah, so someone has asked, would you include ADHD in the way you've seen the causes and treatments you've been describing? Yes, it's very similar, you know, it's just, again, almost on a level of a spectrum for everything. Many, many parents in the program will say, okay, I have one child with autism, some have more than one child with autism, and then they'll have to say, and then I have another, one of my children has uh, ADHD. This is so common because usually, you know, I say that the leaf doesn't fall too far from the tree. The parents have some of the, the toxins and co-infections. Some of that maybe have, may, was passed in to the baby. Then um, the baby has, you know, other toxic things that come into their life, uh, you know, environmental toxic exposures, various ones that, that we've mentioned. And again, back to the epigenetics that that blueprint of a child 
you can have one child that that has the same things, same parents and the same exposures, and it they have they end up with autism. And somebody else who just had just who has ADD or ADHD, and it's because it's just the level of how the genes are affected, how much inflammation is there, how high the level of the co-infections are, how much inflammation is on the brain and in the various systems of the body. Um, so it's just how much the system basically kind of cracked. But I definitely have a lot of parents doing, uh, doing the program for multiple kids. And I say, please do. And I don't charge extra for that, like most programs do. As a, the whole family should get healthy, mom and dad too, because yeah. we pass co-infections and other things around the house to right. one another. Right. So for one, everybody needs to be healthy, but we, 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 as parents, we want to be healthy for our kids. You know, we, it's very stressful, honestly, to have a child with autism because there are just extra special needs to take care of. And depending on their level of how much they can take care of themselves or not, uh, there's, you know, just extra, maybe you don't get enough sleep, you're worrying, you're, you're trying to figure things out, or there's tantrums going on. So the stress levels can affect everybody as well as the toxins. And we as parents, one of the biggest worries is who is going to take care of my child if something happens to me or when I'm gone. And that's why I say, you know, be committed and work and do as much as you can to get your child as healthy and is as independent as possible as possible for them and take as best care of yourself so you can be around for them and be as healthy as you can for as long as possible. Okay, thank you. Another one, Molly? Yep, um, we've had a couple more questions as well about um, picky eaters and quite severe picky eaters. One person has given an example um, that their child won't eat or drink anything fit, thicker than the consistency of water. Um, so what would your advice be in getting nutrition and the supplements to a really picky eater? There are a couple of things, a few things that go into the picky eating. One is that, uh, and I didn't go into these, these details on it, but gluten and casein actually create opiates in the body, just like the opiate drug. So they're literally addicted to them. The sugars, the processed carbohydrates, and, and in in other processed carbohydrates, even even aside from gluten and casein, but including gluten and casein, those are all feeding the candida in their gut. These are an overgrowth of pathogenic bacteria, and they thrive on sugar. So when they stop getting those foods, they crave them. And what those bugs in our stomach create crave makes us crave them. So your child is literally craving those things. Yeah. You might say, Karen, that's all my child will eat. They, they just want processed carbohydrates and gluten and sugar and bread and crackers. And, you know, yeah. and so that's why the weaning process takes time. It's not, I say, don't rip off the bandaid. It's hard on you and them just slowly transition into healthier organic foods. Um, and, uh, there are some, you know, some healthy powdered supplements, uh, collagen protein, various things that you can get some protein and some healing gut healing things in like a smoothie to them. Cause you got to get some nutrition and I know, and then, so I have this whole thing on transitioning picky eaters in the program. Cause I, I, this is a big, big deal. You're not alone, but no. other causes can be the sensory issues. They don't like the texture in their mouth. So if you massage right here, uh, it's a lymphatic area. If you massage right before they eat downward, it can help calm a little bit of the sensory issues in their mouth. 
CBD oil, a high quality one is very good to give them a little before they eat, calms some of the sensory issues down and calms them. You can use that any time of day or night. Mm. And then there's also uh, OCD is heavy with pans. So if your child has OCD, OCD is also around food. So, you know, there's the sensory issues, the uh, the allergies, the acquired allergies that can, yes, be desensitized later once you've done some of the work um, because they've created leaky gut. They are, you know, their, their body is not absorbing a lot of the nutrition from, the eat, from what they're eating because the gut has gotten holes in it from all the inflammation and the candida boring holes in it. So all of these things contribute to the picky eating. So we want to calm down the sensory issues, work with the OCD, and that can often be from working with pans. Um, so uh, these things, uh, it's a slow transition, but absolutely can be worked with. My son was once a very picky eater, and I know it can be really stressful. You think it's never going to happen. They're never going to eat other things, healthy food, and they're always going to want these. But it takes time. I have, I'm just over and over from parents in the program, like, oh my gosh, my child is finally eating healthy foods and asking for it. And it's like, oh, thankful, you know, that, that, that it's happened. Yeah. So, um, you know, it takes time, but stick with it and do a slow transition out of the bad foods and into healthier foods, organic, of course, you know, grass fed, grass finished beef, organic poultry, never, you know, uh, you, uh, fish should be line caught fresh, never farmed. Uh, there are a lot of parasites in farm fish. There are a lot of grains going in. They're moldy and have glyphosate, which is also on wheat and, you know, from Roundup weed killer, all of these things that are on those foods. So healthy protein sources like that, that are organic, uh, and also good fats, extra virgin olive oil, cold pressed organic, um, coconut oil is good. So you want to, um, you know, be eating some of the good, healthy oils, uh, and then some cruciferous vegetables. And you can start with steaming literally a, a, as little as a teaspoon that is pureed mixed in with something else they eat can work. Uh, there's a super, super green food that I, uh, it's organic that I also link to, um, it's a powder things to, that you can do to be creative, to just get little bits of nutrition in as you start transitioning away from the bad foods. Would, would you ever advocate you know, quite an extreme no carbs diet or do you think carbs are important? In the you know, we get enough carbohydrates from the uh, vegetables and things, other things that really like vegetables that we eat. Um, we've gotten as a society used to carbohydrates and we're told you know, even us in the the U.S. for years that that carbs on the we're on the higher end. Remember the old pyramid, and mm. that, that the most foods you were supposed to eat by the FDA's guidelines were carbohydrates, and that is very very incorrect. Mm. They are um, they are you know there are all of these studies out over and over now about how the glycemic index and how the gut is affected. You know so much uh, the third type of Alzheimer's. There was a study done in Australia calling the third type um, diabetes, the third type of Alzheimer's now, because those, those blood sugar fluctuations actually create some plaques on the brain. So right. this is where people need to understand that there is not such a need for the carbohydrates at all. And I know this is a whole paradigm shift. A lot of parents come in and they're, Karen, my, well, my child is starved to death. How will I not, you know, don't they need carbs? And I'm like, no, they really don't. Not all those processed junky ones, especially, you know, you get enough from, again, the other healthier foods that you can eat. 
and uh, it's more more keto based. Yeah. Um, but you're basically just making healthier choices, and it's just a, a matter of learning right. more about nutrition. Right. And as you say, I mean, for the picky eater, I mean, the smoothie is a great entry food in. And I think most kids will find that somewhat palatable anyway. That's good. Molly, another question? Sure. Um, so we've had someone saying they understand that every child is different with your protocol, but on average, what's the timeline you see when you start to notice a difference in their behavior? And this varies again per individual because the level of toxicity, the level and amount of co-infections going on in the body, uh, they're all different for everybody. It's human biology. So no two of us are exactly the same. Some kids, I mean, I have parents that in two weeks, they're like, oh my gosh, my child's sleeping through the night. And, you know, their, their, their eye contact is better. And they're, they're saying, you know, depending on what that child was like in the beginning, um, another mom whose child was, uh, said her son was diagnosed as a very severe, and they were told by experts that their child would never speak within, I think it was a couple of months in my program, her child is speaking. And so, you know, for some kids, it might be weeks that you start. And I would say, start looking for subtle differences first. You're not looking for an overnight fix. This takes commitment. I have people commit to a minimum of a year to begin because you've got to go through this process and it's on your own pace because that's why I release everything, all the information at first, because instead of dripping it out over time, because everybody's timeline is different. Your child might be still on this, you know, taking, getting the support supplements in place for a couple of months while somebody else is, you know, maybe starting with the, some of the herbals at that time, but there's no comparing. That's another thing. Don't compare yourself uh, or what you're doing or your timeline or how your child is progressing to anybody else, because it's going to be completely different. And until we really start doing all of the right things, you don't know what the outcome will be. Autism recovery can take four years or more for to get the best results. That's why, you know, I say, you know, hopefully in the first 30 days, you're going to see some differences. So you'll know and feel at least the confidence to stick with it and know the right things are happening and you're moving in the right direction rather than thinking, oh my gosh, I can't do this or this isn't working or nothing's going to work. You know, also I'm big on mindset. You've got to really take care of your own mindset and belief system uh, as you move forward. And so I have a whole piece on that for sensory calming and stress reduction, mm -hmm. um, but which you can use on yourself as a parent and also help your child with. So the timeline varies, um, but again, um, you know, usually people are seeing some subtle differences in the first month, but um, uh, you know, for others, it might be a few months in. So it just, again, totally varies on the, on the individual. Okay, great. Molly, any more? Yep. Um, so someone has said they read uh, some literature recently on the link between diabetes and autism. Um, and they've asked, do you know anything about this? And would this affect your protocol? It doesn't affect the protocol. What we do is we're working all naturally with shifting into the right diet, which is basically a type of diabetic diet in a sense, you know, you're more keto. Mm. The studies that have also been shown, again, like I just mentioned about the study done in Australia, calling diabetes the third type of Alzheimer's, 
the diabetes it, or we'll say the glucose shifts and the spikes in blood sugar are really affecting the brain. Uh, there is something I've written an entire blog and done a, one of my podcasts on uh, the title is, um, is hypoglycemia, a candida induced hypoglycemia, um, hypo, hypoglycemia mm. um, affecting sleep. So basically uh, it's eating up, the candida is eating up the glucose in your body and your brain craves glucose to function. So you might notice 3 a.m. you're waking up bright-eyed, you know, and even hyper almost heart pounding. This can be, there's a couple of things as I didn't mention with the picky eating too, histamines are a big, big issue from food and other environmental, environmental factors. So we cover the antihistamine diet is huge, making sure that you are not triggering other things. Uh, but you can be, the candida can affect your, your blood sugar levels as well. So again, waking up in the middle of the night because you're, the candida have eaten up all the glucose and your brain wakes us up to eat because it's starving for it. You might wake up in the morning really, really hungry. It's again, those blood sugar levels. So it can definitely be worked with. I think again, if you're especially type two or now they call type three, uh, then, you know, it's, it's really a matter of shifting out of getting those toxins and the inflammation out of the body, clearing the co-infections that could be contributing, um, clearing up the candida issues that can be affecting it. So there are other factors in place along with diet, which of course is very, very important. Okay. Thanks. Do we have a lot more questions, Molly? Are we? About two or three more. Okay, good. Do you, can you hang on for those, Karen? Is that okay? Sure. Thank you. Fab. Um, so one person's asked, could environmental elements such as mold exposure trigger autism in mid-teenage years, or was it just not manifested before then? Yeah, it can be triggered uh, at any age. And teenagers tend to be more susceptible. They will often have a, a poorer diet, um, you know, just because they're a nature, the nature of a teenager, possibly, and uh, the stress plus the puberty for males and females, the hormonal fluctuations, mold biotoxins really affect the hormonal system too, very, very much. They affect, it affects multiple systems of the body. So it's really sometimes a matter of when the system has just had too much and become, you start seeing the symptoms more. In children, the, the mold symptoms can be much milder many times, not always, but many times than they are uh, for adults, which can be much, much heavier. Um, but it can, you know, again, vary per individual. But yeah, it might, the genes and things might not have gotten triggered. And there could have until later on, but it could have been a, a really heavy exposure as well. Uh, winter time in the Northern hemisphere, you know, we're experiencing more damp weather, rain, you know, water intrusion, um, homes have mold in them that we don't even see. Uh, so I always say, make sure your home is mold free. Uh, schools are notorious for having mold because they're old buildings. So all of those things, uh, you know, really should be, should be looked at as you're also doing the, the correct protocol. Mm, okay. Thank you. Great. And we've had Actually, four or five questions. At the same oh, time. No. <laughs> oh no! On one, on one topic. I know um, because there's so much to know. So a couple of people have asked if they were to take your program out of its US based, how or is it possible to get the same or similar supplements in the UK? Do you know? Yeah, absolutely. I have parents in over forty countries in my program currently, and many, many are in the UK. 
Uh, so um, what I've done is in the, my 16 years of autism research, and I continue that, I have weeded out the 95% of supplements that don't work or weren't absolutely necessary. And I've tried to just bring in those that are absolutely necessary. And they are the top, top of the best of what we need for our kids specific needs on this journey, you know, for what that need is. So then I link to it and I work with, because I've been doing this for so long, I fortunately have a, a good relationship with some of the companies who make some of the supplements. So I've asked them, can you give me a coupon code for my members to use? Can you offer a discount? So many of them do. So I'll have those available as well, but a direct link to purchase the product um, online. So it can be purchased you know, online easily. Right. And most of them are shipped worldwide. Uh, and we have multiple other resources for varied shipping companies. If one seemed to be too expensive on shipping, then okay, here's some resources. And now other members in the UK have shared this for use, you know, for other members in the UK. So here, use this link for it. So yes. <laughs> Fab. Um, so I think another question, let me just find it. Um, Someone's asked, what about multivitamins for kids? And do you think these could affect the symptoms of autism either negatively or positively? Yeah, absolutely. So multivitamins especially have multiple B vitamins in them and other things in them that kids' bodies might not yet be prepared for. Uh, for an example, uh, B12, it should always be methyl B12, not cyanico B12. They're completely different. But you've all probably also heard of the MTHFR mutation or the methylation factor. Now, what happens is if the detox pathways aren't supported and the gut hasn't been healed up a little bit and they're not ready for it, that methyl B12 and some of those B vitamins and some of the other vitamins in that multi, for that matter, depending on the quality of that product, could ca also cause a big uh increase in symptoms and, uh, and cause their body to have more problems because either it wasn't a quality product or in, I, I never like to give a multi of something right away. You'll even notice in the very beginning of my program, like vitamin D3 is, is an essential best flu fighter, by the way, anybody could ever have right best viral. So vitamin D3, but D3 and, and K2 are very good to take together eventually, but some kids can have trouble with K2. So I don't have people start with a D3 K2. I have them start with a D3 alone. Then once their child's on it for a couple of even weeks and they know everything's fine, then they can shift to the, to the blend of D3 K2 on a day and a, a separate from a few days away from them starting anything else. So they know if a symptom arises, it was from that. If you start a multivitamin, you don't know what in there could have caused the reaction in your child. And B12 really as essential and necessary as it is, many, many kids on the autism spectrum need to work their way up to being able to take it without it causing more hyperactivity. Um, same with magnesium, an amazing product that we all are, de are deficient in, but it or your sulfation pathways, which again, you get educated on this, but uh, the detox pathways aren't working properly. That can sometimes cause more hyperactivity rather than calm, which is, just, which is, is natural effect on people. 
So yeah, and also multivitamins can feed the, especially the B vitamins feed parasites. So I don't ever want to do that too soon in a program for that right reason either. And parasites are a very, very big deal. Mm. So um, yeah. And, and just on just on levels, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I got lost there for a minute. I'm not sure what happened to me. <laughs> I'm back. But, but on levels too, I always find that RDA is just hopeless and that you need to take much higher doses as well. Do you recommend that as well, Karen? What I usually have parents do, I teach a whole, I have a whole page of various ways to learn muscle testing so that you can muscle test your child directly, or if they're not capable or willing, you can muscle test yourself on their behalf to learn if a product is acceptable for your child right now, or, and what the dosage is right now, because okay. that can change daily. And kids on the autism spectrum, especially, are very, very sensitive. They can't start with any dosage on the bottle. There might be something that I will say, literally start with one drop a day, wait two or three days, see how they're doing on it before you increase to two drops a day. So never start with a recommended dosage on a bottle because it might be too much. You're slowly titrating up over time and watching your child for symptoms and then learning to muscle test is very helpful. So if you see symptoms arise, you know to back off and slow down. If they're doing well on it, then you can keep going and titrating up until you get to whatever their maximum dosage is. Because again, those maximum dosages will definitely vary per individual. Okay, thank you. Any more, Molly? Yeah, we've got a final question. Um, would your program work for vaccine damage that has caused problems other than autism in children? So what does it do for basically vaccine injured? Yeah, if there's any other behavioral issues that might not necessarily be autism, but that, that have come from vaccine damage. Well, it, it kind of, um, you know, of course there's certain homeopathy. There are, there's natural allergy elimination. There's emotion code, various types of work to clear from the system. Uh, so there are some various things that we do from it. And then again, back to the epigenetics, when we can clear out the inflammation, the toxic overload, whatever, you know, original causes are also going on along with these desensitization um, abilities, then we're, we're working with it from both ends, which I think is really important too. Um, I, I just like to be very thorough so we know that everything is getting covered to help the child in the best possible way. Okay. Is that, have we exhausted the questions, Molly? We have, yeah. Oh, <laughs> well, I really wanted to make sure everyone got their questions answered. That was you know, the main function of this. But look, I looked on your website about something else, Karen, and one in 30 children are now being diagnosed with autism. I mean, utterly shocking. And thank goodness you're in the world because you really are guiding so many parents when they really have nowhere else to turn. So whether you believe in God or not, God bless you. Um, Karen's website is naturallyrecoveringautism.com. Molly, can you make sure everyone does get that URL? Yeah, it's on the chat. Cool. And just last week, hopefully people aren't too late now to start your autism recovery program. You started, I think, on the 2nd of January, goes on through to the end of January, and you'll find out all about it on Karen's website. 
Um, and it's $30, I think, is remarkable value. It and is so, remarkable. It I is. It, it I is. It. <laughs> you did. I, the purpose you, you, was to make it a no-brainer. You know, like, you, how can you pass this up? I want people absolutely. to start getting educated. It's accessible, accessible to everybody. And what better, you know, soulmate to have with you through this arduous and difficult journey than Karen. I mean, you know more about autism, I think, than most anybody. And, and you really do. And it's wonderful that you are giving your time and services in the way that you do. I think it's remarkable. So thank you so much, Karen. It was a you're wonderful, I have a funny feeling we could have gone for another three hours and you'd still be making super intelligent and insightful answers. Um, but people will find that out for themselves by going on the program. Molly, as always, I have to thank you because you, as ever, a brilliant uh, you know, interlocutor and making sure that all the questions get answered and making sure that it, I know how to use Zoom, which I very don't often do, and thank you for that. And next month, we have another wonderful uh, pioneer of health, and that's Sarah Myhill, who's been a long-term uh, long supporter of her work, and she's a, one of our great heroes. And if you don't know her, Karen, do, do, do drop in, uh, because Sarah is an extraordinary woman. She really, she's, she's a doctor who's been before the, our governing body, she called the GMC, I think 40 times, for daring to treat and cure patients. And she's won every single case. So she's well, she's well worth uh, an hour of your time as well. But look, yeah. thank you again, Karen. Thank you, Molly. Thank you, everyone who's, who's watched this. We apologize. We started a little bit late, a few minutes, but not much. And so thank you all. And we look forward to being with you again next month. Karen, again, many, many thanks. And I have um, one more thing to share that okay. my team wanted to create something special for this. So yes, my website is always available at naturallyrecoveringautism.com and you can get information. It's not too late uh, if you're listening to this live to Good. join the Kickstart program. But we've also created a special link for special things that we may oh. be having go have going on if somebody's not listening to this live. And that would be naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash WDDTY for what doctors oh, don't tell you. Thank you. So you can use that link too. Oh, fantastic. Again, Molly, if you can just make sure everyone gets that, that'd be wonderful. That's <laughs> oh, really kind, Karen. I didn't expect, didn't expect a late Christmas present, but that's <laughs> absolutely. <fun>. Thank you. <laughs> Happy <so> New Year. <laughs> exactly. Guys, thank you again so much. Thanks for watching, Karen. Thank you so much. Thank Molly. you. My pleasure. And please, anybody listening, share this with others. Tell your friends. There are so many people, yeah. as we said, with one in 30 needing. Yeah. Tell a friend. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being a great parent, too. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Okay. Bye-bye. Take care.